in part one of understanding how the devil works, I gave you the, in a sense, the blueprint for how the enemy takes captives, uh, takes us captives through the agency or instrumentality of the soul. Now before I go any further in this uh, discussion, let me say that this is not the only way the devil works, but this is to reduce what the devil does and how he works on a personal level uh, in your life, in our lives, or in the life of any human being. Now I do understand and I've taught extensively on the schemes of the devil as they relate to systems, the creation of um, alternative systems to the kingdom of heaven, so that these systems entrap entire nations and entrap humanity as a whole, because they're systems designed to replace the order of the kingdom. For example, the legal system that is based in an adversarial um, posture. Uh, If a society bases its legal systems on an adversarial uh, basis so that the persons involved in that system are inherently involved in a uh, 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 a process that is designed to produce enemies out of uh, associates. If that's if you're involved in that system, there's a way for that system to work to to create animosities and to create um, enmities. And when whole nations adopt these forms of systems, then the entire nation and all nations of, who view the process of the adjudication of disputes through those lenses, through those processes, will be trapped in one of the schemes of the devil. Every, every kingdom has systems on which it relies for its laws, for its order for its stability, for its prosperity, and the like. Every kingdom has that. And the kingdom of heaven has the perfect system, because its goal, the goal of each of the systems of that kingdom, uh, is to portray the nature of God. The nature of God is inherent in each of these systems. So in the system for the adjudication of disputes, for example, uh, the, the order of that system displays the value God places on the human being. So for example, if your brother sins against you, uh, the, the, the process is not to gain control over the thing in dispute. The process is to gain your brother which is the, the, the model or the demonstration of the nature of God. God values the brother. Man values the thing over which the brothers may be fighting. And so an adversarial system is designed to assign control of the thing to an individual. But once it does that, 
it takes it from one, gives it to the other, it establishes a permanent enmity between the two. Okay, So in the systemic order of these things, there is clearly a work of the devil in a mega trend, in a, in a, in a, um, a systemic way. So he captures and controls uh, in vast ways, but at the core of it all, is essentially the way he controls at the human level, at the individual human level. And that's what I was talking about in the first portion of this. And just as a quick review and to refocus your minds uh, away from the mega trends with which uh, the enemy controls nations and groupings of nations, uh, back to the individual, we said that from our earliest years, even in childhood, and let me pause here to say that the schemes of the enemy actually go back to a time when you might be, when you were yet uh, in the womb. So the earliest of the attachment of the schemes of the enemy against you may come as early as in the womb. And as an important note here, when that's the origin of the effects of the enemy's schemes upon you, those are harder to detect because you will know that there's something wrong, but, and typically people will go back to try to find the traumatic experience uh, that made them susceptible to, let's say, the feeling of fear. But if you can't find it, if, if you've had what is called more or less a normal life, um, the reality is that the aberration in your behavior, the upset within your, within your soul, the, the emotions that keep you stirred up, that, uh, as it were, keeps, keeps the engine running all the time, the sound going on in your head all the time where you're never at rest and where you're constantly in both in sleep and while you're awake you're agitated sometimes in fact you awaken in in around 2 or 3 in the morning and it's like your mind has been going all night uh, and you you just don't know how to shut it off and you know you'll tell yourself you need to go to sleep and um, here I'm talking about chronically being this way, not the momentary thing that comes from immediate stresses that you're dealing with right away. But if you have a pattern of sleep deprivation, uh, the enemy, and you, you waken, just you're, you're wide awake all of a sudden in the middle of the night when you should be asleep. And you're trying to find causation, but nothing, nothing comes to mind. The problem may well be that the trauma that created the emotions occurred in the womb before you were born. So those are harder to detect, but I'll, I'll come back to that uh, time permitting. But the so the schemes of the enemy, in, in recapping that, I was saying uh, 
that early on in your life, you may find yourself uh, the subject of emotions stirred up by experiences to which your five senses were subjected. In the first, um, in the first uh, part of this message, I talked about the fact that, you know, if you, in my case, if you smell the smell of curry, you you may be taken back to a time. It takes me back to a time when I was a boy, and the smell of the of food of curry was wafting through the house, and it was a happy time. You know, funny thing about these memories: these your memories are jogged by present events stirring up former experiences and the memory of former experiences from an earlier time. And these may be terrifying experiences from a former time, but if the stimuli in the present environment of your, you may be a full-grown adult, functioning normally, but you hear a certain word, you see a certain behavior, not necessarily directed at you. Words may be spoken in your environment that register in you. And when it does, the memory that it evokes does not take you back in your present state to your former state, to the state when that base emotion was initially established in you. It takes you back to that time in your life. And and almost always, in a time in your life when the experience was unpleasant, you were vulnerable. So, for example, if, if something happened in my environment presently, or in your environment presently, that stirs up in you an emotion of fear. Although as an adult, if you were as an adult in that initial happening that created that that uh, emotion of fear, you in your present state would not be afraid of that thing when it happened at that time. But when you are vulnerable at that time, that's why the emotion so so traumatized you. That's why the experience so traumatized you, because you are vulnerable. There's not anything you could do to prevent it. So the nature of the emotion, when it's stirred up in you, it takes you captive both to the time and place in which you were at the time. So let's say when you were five years old or as old as, as young as, as you are able to remember, something was said to you that was completely humiliating to you. 
if in your present situation, if in your present life, you may be, <coughs> that may have been decades ago, but if that thing, if something similar to that was said in your environment, it doesn't even have to be said to you. You could be observing two people interacting, two people with whom you have absolutely no relationship interacting, and in that exchange, something would be said that triggered this thing in you. Because you're observing it. it it's, it's a working of, your, of, of multiple of your senses, the sense of sight, the sense of sound. It may recall something to you from way back. When you go back to that, you go back to it where you were, in the stage of your development, not where you are presently. That's why it has the capacity to affect you like it does. Because if you were to go back as an adult to the, to speak to yourself in that place and time, you'd bring all the skills and all the resources that you have, <coughs> pardon me, as an adult to bear on that event as a child. It would be you talking to yourself as a child, but you're talking to yourself from the point of view of an adult. Obviously, you would limit the effect of that thing on the child. But you don't go back as an adult, you don't go back from your present state. You go back, the memory transports you entirely back to that thing, and strips you of all the abilities you may have acquired in all the years since. I remember one time I was watching a a television interview of a man who had made large amounts of money, even have been a billionaire, and they were asking him what drove him, and he said, Well, his father told him that he would never amount to much. Then the interviewer asked, well, how old were you when that happened? And all he knew was that he was a small boy. And his father dismissed him as being essentially worthless. While he was giving the interview, he broke down. Very accomplished businessman broke down and he, he began to speak to his dead father. And this is what he said. When will I have done enough? When will you approve of me? Here's this highly accomplished guy, lots of people under his command, under his control, who derive their paycheck from him. Long dead father. But it triggered on television, triggered a memory. And it, it, it confused the interviewer because it went sideways so quickly. She couldn't see it coming. And that's because he went back to that vulnerable child, vulnerable to the thoughtless words of his father. And who knows where he was coming from? Who knows what thing in him motivated him to treat his own son? in such a casual and demeaning and humiliating fashion. 
But when the man, grown man, he must have been in his late 50s, was brought, when the memory of that was triggered just by the conversation right there on television, he didn't anymore know to prepare for that. He just broke down. Just broke down. And he went back, he reverted all the way back to where he was as a child when he was traumatized by the words of his father. And none of his resources, none of his intelligence, none of the people he could call on, none of what he could do to rescue that child if he could only go back as an adult to the child. His adult self going back to his infant self, none of that went back with him. That's how the scheme of the enemy works, because that's the way your memory works. Your memory doesn't take you back from your present state in whole to the past state. When you go back, you go back, you leave the present, including who you are at present. You leave it and you migrate all the way back. It's like, to use Star Trek terms, it's like going back through a wormhole, going back in time, except that your present situation has all the conscious memory and hurt (coughs) of it as an adult. If someone can capture an adult and turn that adult again into being a child, how could you influence this adult when he he returns from the memory but still freshly stung by it? When he speaks in his environment, he or she, when they speak in their environment, as a reaction to that emotion, they're going to be speaking from their present state, from their present capacity to create harm, from their present abilities to inflict pain. That's the strength of the enemy. That's how he works. So he takes you back as a child, reacquaints you with the emotions that you had as a child. You you live all of that momentarily, then you come out of that back into your present situation and whoever did the thing that triggered that in you is still standing there and you have all of your position, all of your strength, all of your resources, all of your capabilities to threaten them, to to respond in kind, because by now, you see, when you come back as a, from that experience, you're not aware you went back as a child. You're not aware that you, you experienced it again as a child. That, that, that is all just um, completely uh, unregistered in your emotions. When you come back to the present and you start responding, you can only respond from your present state. You can't respond from the state of a child, but you are responding from the emotions of the child. You see? So let me give you an example. Let's say it's a husband and wife having an argument. And the wife says something that triggers this thing in the husband. And he goes back, and instead of hearing the voice of his wife, he now hears the voice of his father who humiliated him, who demeaned him. She is in no way means to take the place of 
his father and to take the position of his father. But the words created the emotion which accessed the memory, which triggers the behavior. And when he comes back around, now here is his wife, but he doesn't see his wife because he's not seeing rationally. He's seeing emotionally. And who is the wife now? She has been substituted for the one who hurt him in his childhood. She's now standing in the place of the one whose wound he has been carrying his whole life. How fair is that to his wife? How fair is it for him to substitute his wife for a father who brutalized him? You see my point? So at, at that juncture, when he unloads on her, all of this rage, how is she going to interpret this? Except that he's a monster. Because she doesn't know what just happened. No more than he does that he was transported back to a time of humiliation, a time of diminishment, a time of being demeaned and marginalized and made to feel like nothing. When that emotion is still fresh and present, but now he has the position of the husband, now he has the position himself as a father, or whatever it is that he is now and to whomever he is speaking, when this emotion has been triggered, in that environment, He's unbalanced. In that environment, he has no objectivity. And in that environment, he is not even himself. But he will unload on the person in the present out of that past. When he does that, the relationship is put in a very different light and not good on any level. That relationship is put in the light of adversarial. The enemy has entered in. Now, are his feelings legitimate? Should he be feeling these things? Well, that's not even an appropriate question, because your feelings are your feelings. You feel what you feel. By the way, you know, I'm sure that I'm discussing a condition that is so painfully familiar, but I'm pulling, I pulled it apart so you could just see how this matter of stimulus think taken in through the senses accesses the emotional banks the, the the an emotion which in turn accesses your memory banks which in turn stirs up your your emotions producing a result because we act out of our emotions, transporting you in the whole process, 
being transported from the present to the past, reliving the past, all of its hurts, if these things are not healed, that's what is encountered, and it comes back as a wave onto the present. And no one is aware that that transaction just occurred. The one who is taken back, male or female, one who is taken back into those emotions, is unaware that that's what, that's what happened. Because this is a familiar emotion. So familiar and so routinely stirred up over time that it's always there. And sometimes when the wave of this thing subsides and the full impact of the behavior is assessed, then the person perpetrating the behavior goes into a kind of depression. Because then the enemy says to them, you, you are as worthless as your father said you were. You are as unstable as that voice that spoke to you, accused you of being. And soon enough you begin to believe the lie. And by then, you know, if this were the last straw in the marriage and, and the wife has had enough, she's looking to file for divorce. And, and of course, that triggers another wave of the sense of failure, the sense of worthless. And what does that in turn trigger? One of the things it, it routinely triggers, this may be a surprise to you, but your enemy who has gained access to your thoughts through your responses to these emotions begins to make suggestions to you as to what you should do. One of the first suggestions he makes when you are confronted with this quantum of potential loss is, all is loss, you might as well kill yourself. And I, I talk to so many people who say, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I've thought about suicide. And I stopped them and I said, no, those aren't your thoughts. That's your enemy who was on a roll and he saw the opportunity to supply you with the solution, which in fact was the whole point of utilizing this thing to get to you in that way. So no, reject that thought as being your thought. Yes, it did come up in your mind, but look at the sequence of events and see who is the prime actor here. Prime actor here is your enemy. I want to continue one more, at least one more broadcast on this thing, because I think it's, I think we're getting into the murky waters of understanding how the devil works. One of the things I want to do is try to help you decide what are your thoughts and what are the plants of your enemy into the processes of your thought. I want to talk about how easy it is to give in to these thoughts if your family has a history of behavior that reflects the way the enemy 
succeeds against your family by planting thoughts that lead to actions and curses the family. I'm Sam Sol and I'll talk to you again. Bye-bye.